A lot of you are familiar with the DNA Project and have been rocking with us for a while, but some of you aren't. A lot of you are faithful listeners of the podcast, but aren't familiar with some of the other work that we do. So I just want to take a quick moment to explain to you a little bit more of what we do. So you're getting married, or you have a friend, a cousin, a sister, somebody you know is getting married. Okay. You've booked your venue, caterers, photographer, all that good stuff. When it comes to live music, most people have no idea where to look. We have you covered. Picture this. During the ceremony, while guests are being seated, or while the bride's walking down the aisle. During the cocktail hour, while guests are just mingling and having a good time. Don't forget about dinner music. That's very important to set the mood while guests eat. And we definitely can't forget the party. Let's get the party started right now with The DNA Project. www.thednaproject.ca for more information. Hello, bonjour, wagwan. How are you doing? Welcome to another episode of the DNA Airwaves. This episode is brought to you by the MPL, Toronto's modular film and audio studios. Did I say Toronto? I meant the world because they work remotely as well. For more information, please visit the-mpl.com. That's T-H-E-Maple with no vowels.com. This podcast is also brought to you by The DNA Project. For absolutely anything to do with live performances, like setup, planning, session musicians, recording, or anything in between, visit thednaproject.ca. Our guest today is Canadian and international vocal sensation Julie Black. And if you don't know Julie Black, it's because you're whack. She's worked with artists like Nas, Cardinal Fischel, Sean Paul, and many others. I know that I've spent lots of my high school years listening to her music, and I'm sure that most of the people listening in Canada have as well. If you haven't heard her music, you should go check it out, but not before this podcast. Please enjoy this episode. This is The DNA Airwaves. All right, here we go. How are you guys doing today? Good, man. How are you? I'm good, man. Matt, how's it going? Pretty good. Good, good. No complaints. All right. I love it. Miss Julie Black, how are you? Great to have you here. I'm feeling good. Feeling blessed. All right. I'm happy to be here. Definitely. Oh, man. We're, we're so happy to have you as well. You have, uh, you have struck the nation for a long time. I was reading about you and I was seeing things like Queen of R&B everything great about you. So yeah, we're so happy to chat. I've had the pleasure of working with you on several occasions and you are a blessing and more in so many ways to myself and a lot of people. So yeah, thank you. I just had thank to get you. that out. Um, we have a lot of questions for you. I know Dariki wanted to start off with something, so please do. Um, first off, yeah, just like Anthony said, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk with us. I kind of wanted to start at the beginning of you know, you growing up at Jane and Finch, I always had this weird, um, you know, not, I don't want to say romantic because there was nothing romantic, but you heard a lot of stories about Jane and Finch. It was XYZ, real people come from there, blah, blah, blah. What was your experience like growing up in that area? And what kind of lessons did you learn there that you kind of still apply to your life right now? Right. Um, well, growing up in Jane and Finch was like growing up anywhere else. I think that if you, for example, you know, start a baby off being plant-based, then they mm -hmm. won't miss meat. They right, don't know right, anything right. different, right? Very so true. similarly is that from the womb, 
growing up in that in the Jane Finch corridor, that's all I knew. It was fabulous, yeah, and multicultural, yeah. Yeah. diverse. Right. It was we learned by each other's culture through our palate. You know, my mm-hmm. best friend was Jyoti Patel, who's Indian. My best guy, yeah, my right. guess, my guy friend was Chi Gang, who's from um, Vietnam. My other, like yeah, all yeah. these different, you know, Johnny Papa Spiros, who was Greek. And I say the <laughs> oh, first right. and last for majority because if you re- realize, a lot of times kids, we learn the first and the last name. Yeah, and so yeah, I yeah. think that's 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 a really important thing to remember, um, our identity. And so those formative years, you know, zero, especially zero to ten, was yeah. incredible. You know, I discovered my voice at six years old um, in school and in church, you know. So mm, right, right. all the things that I learned um, back then was more so about community, which I'm still big on, you yeah, know, right. common unity and um, <laughs> and really <laughs> making sure that uh, humility, yeah. yeah, common unity, community. Yeah, the- Common like unity, that. yeah, but write that one down. Um, <laughs> and recognizing that there's, yeah, we were speaking before we started recording, it's like being a student and a teacher, you know, right, often right, yeah. recognizing that every leader has been led, you know, who's mm-hmm. the teacher's teacher, who's Great the point. pastor's pastor, mm. who's the mentor's mentor, you know, yeah, who's right. the doctor's doctor, who's the yes, dentist's yes. dentist, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Who was yours? Who was yours? Oh, my, my mentors, et cetera? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my yeah, goodness. Yeah. Well, my whole life was shaped around watching my mom. You know, okay. she, she came from Jamaica in 1968, working for $1.65 an hour. I'm the only wow. Canadian-born child. And uh-huh. watching her bring her kids up, you know, the classic kind of send for my kids. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah, um, yeah. You know, yeah. married my dad. I'm the one, ch- well, I was born a twin. Uh, my brother passed away in our first week of being alive. But um, Sorry to hear being that. able to see my mom and dad, but like really my mom have that resilience and have a firm faith that keeps me to this day. Um, yeah. I have business mentors, Lisa Washington. She's the first ever WNBA agent out of Canada, now NBA agent. Nice. Uh, she's, she's my rock. She's been in my wow. life for a long time. Um, I have mentors in real estate, Roy Perot, yeah. who's taught me a lot Beautiful. about real estate and business. And, you know, Nikki Harris, who's my bookkeeper, who's my mentor as well. I call her the great gazoo, like the Flintstones. Yeah, yeah. She just kind of pops up like, hey, dum-dum. Oh, what are you doing, dum-dum? Yeah. Right? She can call me dum dum, but sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, she's like, come on, Julie. Come on. Oh, man, that's um, and so many, I could, the list goes on, but every mentor that I have yeah. plays a different role of you course. Know, in my life. And so it's important that they don't overlap so that you're really getting, you're really filling up your, your plate. It's like uh, you're going to the buffet. You know what I mean? You're not just going to yeah, eat yeah, a whole yeah. heap of potato. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and yeah. You spread that meal I've out. I've been going yep. to buffets wrong. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> too much potato, uh, too much carbohydrates. You're gonna yeah, yeah. drop asleep. You're learning something here today, Matt. <laughs> so we were talking about mentors, and as I mentioned earlier, um, through my experience and um, working with you and just different things, when we've been able to talk, you've um, you've you've been that to me too in many ways. You spoke words into my life a couple times that I really appreciate. Um, yeah, thank you. They can't see that. I wish they could, but hearts right back. <laughs> hearts. In a lot of ways, I would say that you've been an angel to people because that's how I kind of see things, right? You have people that come into your life. It could only be one word, one conversation, but it really leaves something impactful. Um, and I appreciate that about you. But I also read something about a lady named Wendy. And I have a feeling that there might be a similar experience. Motion? With her. Wendy Motion? 
I hope yeah. it's the right Wendy from um, the summer Wendy. camp. <laughs> from summer the summer camp, camp right? Yeah, can you tell us that story? Because I heard it and loved it. Wendy, well, she's Motion, the MC. If you uh, Google Motion, okay. she's the same okay. person. You know, gotcha. I, you okay. know, we've known okay. each other for so long, so we know the government and all that. Yeah. <laughs> um, she, in 1994, uh, decided to sacrifice her pay to make sure that... Uh, quite a few of us were able to enter into the Fresh Arts program, uh, which was a part at the time of a program. The government inst- uh, implemented a, a summer camp called Jobs Ontario Youth, the JOY program, Jobs Ontario Youth. Mm, okay. And so what it was is you pick kind of a, an area of specialty and yeah. then the government would pay you um, minimum wage to for nine to five and uh to do that job and so i heard about fresh arts and reached out to wendy um and i was coming from jane finch and so typically like the majority of the students uh the the youth were from downtown okay and so she had to really she made a sacrifice and open up more spots there's supposed to be 10 spots she opened it up to 41 and in that ended up being that's where i met cardinal that's where i met socrates that's where i met baby blue Mm. That's okay. where I met Debbie Young. That's where I met um, so many, like so many people. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. End wow. up in the different areas of fine arts, and so I think about that uh, often, especially in the recent past. I feel emotion in my heart just thinking about it because wow. sometimes, every time actually, all you need is the yes. You need someone mm-hmm. to just open that door. That's true, right? And I often say, you know, support me with the interview, and I'll get the job. I just need the interview. Right. I don't need you to give uh, me the job. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. I'll earn the job. Yeah. Right. And so that's what that's what Wendy did. She opened up that that those floodgates and it was more than music. It was learning production. I mean, back then there was hardware more than software. So we're learning about the ASR mm. and the, you know, the MPC and all these different pieces yeah. of equipment. And as a girl in the business, that was very few of there was very few of us. Yeah. yeah. It really helped empower me. To go from hardware to software, like my first album, I have producer credits, I have engineering credits because I knew the hardware and mm. was able to really transfer that skill to the software, and and cut my own records in my bedroom, you know. So nice. Started with Wendy. You have to kind of follow the Hansel and Gretel crumbs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's always <laughs> go back. Yeah, follow yeah, the yeah. breadcrumbs. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. People yeah, see the absolutely. end result. Exactly. Or they think they see the end result. We're always they in think, motion. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, so I big up, big up Wendy, man. Big, big up her Wendy. up all the way, and she moves in silence. Like she's writing for the show, The Coroner now. Nice. She's doing nice. all types wow. of stuff behind the scenes. Black wow. woman and just incredible mother and friend, sister, daughter. Everything, so yeah, awesome. yeah. You um, you mentioned some names there, and I feel like well, you you definitely had developed some relationships with some of those guys that you met at the summer, guys and girls that you met at the summer camp back then because you ended up doing a lot of big things and a lot of work together with them. Um, what was that like? Because, I mean, those bonds and then moving it into working and like professional and performing, what was that like? Yeah, oh my gosh. Those are my brothers, sisters too, but mainly I was the the, the one girl in the all-guy crew. And so <laughs> yeah. um, I have to say that First of all, it was so it was platonic, you know, and I was an ultimate yeah. tomboy. Don't let the lip gloss right. fool you. <laughs> so, you know, I still am at heart. Yeah, and yeah. so they really, they kind of chucked me around. They treated me like the guys. Like, mm. you got to come in, write your bars. Even though I was writing R&B hooks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, 
you better come with that pen and pad and, and rep. Right. You know, and so it really um, it encouraged me too. I just had come back from New York because I was signed to Sony as a 15 year old um, to to Epic, and it was uh, I went through some challenging times, and so that deal went away. And when it came back to Toronto, I went into this program. I was able to join this Jobs Ontario Youth Program. So I go from going to the Michael Jackson Scream release party to coming back to Toronto and being like, okay, what do I do now? Even though I was just 15, I was turning 16 that year. Wow. And met these guys and met, met Wendy who introduced me to all these guys who were just so about it. And um, I think about uh, Donna Harrow, which is Cardinal's mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was just like a freedom fighter, activist. She, she yeah. pushed us. You know, she was involved in the community and where a lot of our parents who were immigrants as well, you know, my mom was way older. And so my mom really had to focus on different things. She was focusing on working, taking care of the kids. She was also a foster parent, taking, doing all type of other things in the community. Yeah. Donna really had us look at issues, you know, racism, really looking Mm. at all the isms, the sexism, you know. And so for me, I was like, all right, I knew I didn't want to be objectified. I knew I didn't want to be given opportunities because of my booty or anything else. And yeah, so yep. those guys really had me work. And we, I'm talking about mm-hmm. go to school. After we finished Fresh Arts, it, wasn't the, it was just the beginning. Yeah, so right, then September right. came around and I decided to change schools and go to Oakwood Collegiate. I actually left C.W. Jeffries and okay. transferred to a downtown school. Right. And my mom, I remember saying like, I couldn't be late. If I got one, one day I was late, I took a bus, a train, and a streetcar every day. (laughs) A bus, a train, and a streetcar to and from. And then I also played on the basketball team and that was early practice, dark outside. And I was just, just, it let me realize that when you want something, nothing's going to stop you. I wanted to be at school. I wanted to continue to feel what I felt in Fresh Arts. I knew that I could have went down a path at uh, being in C.W. Jeffries, which is a great school as well, but the government had cut music, they cut drama, they cut, they were cutting programs. Yeah, right. And so, not realizing that, you know, as my grades started to kind of drop in C.W. Jeffries, I realized the correlation between art and the other academic courses. Right. So, as I did well in music and the theater and all the other things, my economics and law and science, like it, there was like, whoa, okay, what's going on here? So my yeah. mom came to the first parent-teacher meeting, which she didn't get to go to very many. My sisters would go, but she yeah. came to Oakwood and she didn't. She she thought they pulled up the wrong um, grades. She actually was like, it was like 90, <laughs> no, no, 97, so. 92, 93, like it was straight nineties across the board. Yeah, yeah. Wow. straight nineties. So you know, and again, Hansel and Gretel crumbs. Back to Fresh Arts, met this new tribe. You have to choose your tribe. True, yeah. That you tribe do. led me to Oakwood. Michelle, Michelle Smith as well, who yeah. like, you know, there's uh, Michelle, Fra- sorry, that's her married name, Michelle Francis. She's the sister of Greg Francis, who was known in basketball back in the day. Okay, yeah. And coached Team Canada and all that. But like, she really got me to really focus on, okay, let's really, let's take this team to Offsaw. Right. We kind of hit up. We hit a glass ceiling in up in North York. We never really. We didn't play against Sarnia, the Fighting Irish, and these girls that were just like ball all the yeah, way around. Yeah, yeah. Right. So right, again, right. it's like people think when you have more, you may do worse. But having those priorities and having accountability, mm-hmm. I was accountable to my basketball team. I was accountable to Fresh Arts, and now accountable to Cardi and Socks and Shaw Claire. I was yeah. accountable, and all of it, 
all of it created this what now became this Julie Black universe because I was named Julie Black at like 13 years old. Sony named me Julie Black and I just kept the name. So. Oh, really? Whole other thing. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> but that was a great point that you made about accountability. I think it's something that uh, I've kind of discovered as well. I had a question. Um, I it, You clearly love music and obviously early on you had a desire to act. Did you ever... Or early on when you were doing your early stuff, did you have in the back of your head that one day you would also be acting? Or did you? No. Okay. No. It's the one thing, a very good question. Even though I did well in like drama and yeah. in like high school and stuff, yeah. Yeah. I had and still do next level anxiety around acting. Oh, really? Wow. Next level. It, it takes like Why? performing music. Yeah, not music. Pardon me? And you don't have that same anxiety when you go on stage to sing? No. Zero. Can, uh, why is that? Yeah, it's very interesting. I've been unpacking that lately. Wow. Uh, Surprising, <laughs> it's very actually. fresh. Really wow. looking yeah. at. Um, so, music discovered me at six years old in church. Right. Yeah. My sisters were traipsing me around to youth youth choir Trips. and adult yeah. choir, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. my mom, who wasn't a Christian at the time, used church to have her day off from being a mom after Ooh. my parents divorced. So she'd send us on the church bus, yeah. and right. she would chill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She yeah. would cook and <laughs> relax. <laughs> That's okay. Day. Yeah, yeah. So it was. She was a G. That was just her thing. She's like, go, go, get on the. Brought yeah, us yeah, to the yeah. edge of the street. Yeah, street yeah, yeah. My sisters. We were laughing the other day that our mom so dressed us all up, brought us to the edge of Finch Avenue. Yeah. This church bus pulled up. She don't know them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just walked away. <laughs> and put us on the bus, no seatbelts. Oh go with God. <laughs> not like a school bus, like a hood ghetto bus to the yeah, point yeah. where I remember one time we got into a car accident and oh, the God. seats, we didn't realize the seats weren't oh, no. pinned, weren't down basically. They weren't bolted down. Oh, my and God. all of us flew to the front. I mean, we made wow. it, we were okay, thank God. <laughs> thank God but yeah, it yeah. was a thing. So, anyway, um, wow. I digress. So, when my <laughs> sisters, I'd learn all the songs. Yeah. Uh, because I'm sitting there playing with my like dolls and whatever. And then one day I asked my sister, MJ, I said, oh, I want to sing the song was Old as Jesus, um, Shirley, Shirley, Mur- um, Shirley Caesar. And yeah. so they thought it would be cute to have this little girl yeah. come up, my little frilly dress, and sing the song, mm-hmm. right? But yeah. when, my, when my mouth opened, what came out of my mouth? I remember the feeling to this day. What came out of my mouth was not a six-year-old voice. Really? Mm. It was not a six-year-old voice. Mm. And then I felt what it felt like to have people feel God, the presence of God, like the worshiping, the crying, the praising. the It was, it was unbelievable. I remember it to wow. this day. And so wow. I think because of that, like even though I'm, I'm always grounded, I always feel like a little bit of belly bubble. I don't mm. feel, <laughs> I don't get scared out of doing my work. Yeah, like, right. It's like, yeah, the, the stage is Canada's wonderland for me. It's an amusement mm. park. Like right. no Love matter it. what, that's my most safe place. Yeah. I love it so much. And you know, Anthony, we've worked together. I will of rip course, yeah. any stage apart. I don't care if there's one person there. To shreds. 10,000 people. <laughs> yeah. To shreds. Stir fry. Let's go. Okay? <laughs> now, stir fry. acting is interesting. <laughs> acting, acting is telling the truth about someone else's story. Uh-huh. Mm. So that's where the anxiety comes in because when I'm singing, I'm telling my own story. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. When you, For when me, you tell your I would truth, think it's the opposite though. Me too. Yeah. Pardon me? I would think it's the opposite. Like for me, I I don't want to say I sing, but when I try to sing on stage, I'm terrified to sing 
and be vulnerable and be me and be real and express how I'm feeling or trying to perform that song based on how I feel the song should uh -huh. be performed. But acting is easy. I can pretend to be anybody I want. It's no problem. You know what I mean? So I'm kind of confused how it's switched around for you that it's easier to tell your own story than pretend to tell someone else's story. Because that's the thing. So the, the best actors aren't pretending. And I'm mm. learning that lately. I'm oh, learning that in okay. truth. I learned that through doing Carolina Change and then this okay. role I just did in Digstown recently yeah. is that mm. when you are able to access, first of all, for acting, you have to access. You have okay. to access the truth. Some of, the, some, mm. some of the, the, the best actors, whether it's Denzel or Viola or whomever, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? It's like, yeah. oh, I, you, I believe that you went through that. Why? Because right. they did. Gotcha. So oh, gotcha. in your mind, Mentally, that's the thing yeah. about your the what lives in your mind. The body doesn't know your mind. Your spirit doesn't, doesn't know, know if difference. it's real or not. It's real. That's right. That's why people right, could bring right. on sickness into their bodies. That's why people could could really you know manifest things. It's like how did that? Oh oh, I thought about you. Right. Oh, then you just called. That's not a coincidence. Mm -hmm. That's not. That's a whole other podcast. Okay. <laughs> but what I'm that's saying is whole other podcast. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I, so what I'm saying is though. So with acting. Yeah. When I'm I'm honoring like I I, I played Carolina Carolina and Carolina change so she's a she's a it was civil rights single mother of four yeah divorcee which is unheard of in the '60s in, in yeah. that time of life um you know works for this Jewish family wants more for herself but is afraid get like the whole story it's like okay so where yeah. I where my anxiety came in is this that's someone's life. Right. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. I, you don't. You don't pretend that. Mm -hmm. You have to be it. You become it. Become. Right. Yeah. yeah. And until you become it, like it was to the point where I had to. I stayed at that theater until 11:30 at night. The show was end, The show ended at 10, and 11:30 is the security guard and myself there to shake Caroline's spirit until the next day. Wow. Wow. It became that real. Wow. And so Damn. it. It. it, it consumes you and so that's why i get anxiety around it because it's like i live i'm very i live a real life everything right. is real yeah, mm -hmm. yeah so if you tell me that i am now being caroline thibodeau then i'm caroline that's thibodeau so if she's having anxiety if she's having stress if she's having belly pain headache i'm get i'm having it all same Gosh. yeah wow what if you're playing all somebody things. who has a good life and no anxiety do you not feel anxiety <laughs> then if you're playing my, a character that isn't anxious, do you still feel that anxiety? Not as much, no. Okay. No. So that's a good thing. Then. But, but what's interesting is I appreciate and I, I don't play those characters. I don't become those people very often because uh -huh. I can't access and connect the way I like to connect with people's heart, soul, and mind and have you feel something every time yeah. Yeah. is actually accessing trauma. It's accessing emotion so that mm. when you're, you finish experiencing that, whether I'm on TV or in theater, yeah. when you experience that, what I deliver, then you're going to think about your own life. You're going to leave feeling some sort of cleanse or some sort of, hmm, let me think. How did yeah. that impact me? Mm. Right? That's the thing about influence versus impact. I don't deal with influence. Mm. That's, mm -mm, I deal with impact. Let's talk about the show that you put on on stage and how do you plan that? Do you... Uh, are you the kind of performer that just goes on and everybody just feels what they feel? Or is there a bit more choreography attached to it? Not just with the dancing, but who stands where and where does the attention go and where we lead the audience's eyes? How do you go about that? 
yeah, that's a good question. Um, it's not that uh, technical, I would say, but there's for sure um, my show from beginning to end runs like on a click. So when we play the songs in you know, a certain order. However, I run it like a DJ. So my, even though I have a DJ who triggers Ableton, et cetera, mm-hmm. I read the crowd. So if I know that, okay, you know what? We're about to do sweat, but I'm seeing, I, ma- I make eye contact with everybody pretty much. And I could feel that this audience needs I traveled. This audience needs to go deep. Yes, we need to slow yes. this down uh-huh. right now. Right. Or we need to not slow it down and keep the party going. So, you know, I don't do lots of switches, but my band's always ready for the alley-oop. That's how I perform. Get ready for the ah. alley Always. They watch my body all the time. Um, th- yeah, and you, it's just been so many years that they know me very, very well. You know, unfortunately with COVID, I had my drummer not able to come to Canada for quite a long time. Um, however, it's we treat it like white stripes. It's Young Pete and myself, drummer and singer, and we both know each other so well, so, so well, yeah. that... He knows where I'm going before I even go there, you know? And so I'm very much about connecting with the audience, like verbally having them be a part of the show. It's a visual experience. And there were times, yeah, dancers, choreography, horns, strings, we've done all that. Um, But when I had to go over, when I had the opportunity to go overseas and had to strip it all the way down, that's when it was like, okay, back to the six-year-old girl again. And I knew that... They all, I, I could carry this whole thing by myself. If all the power went off and I had to rock this acapella, I could carry the whole show, 90 minutes, by myself. Have you ever had to do that? Well, not carry the whole show, but I've definitely, it's ended up being drum and, drum and vocal. Yeah, we went to Singapore. Uh, they fried my uh, playback machine. At the time, we weren't using Ableton, but we were using another playback machine. And they used the wrong adapter thingy, converter. And Uh-oh. we smelt smoke. And this was opening for <laughs> Kanye, Lupe, and, um, and uh, Cool and the Gang. And that was, all right, my guitar player was there, bass, and drums, myself. And we just, we rocked it. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's so I, much uh, harder to do on the fly than people realize. Really? No. Is. See, this, it's not hard to do on the fly when you when you know your foundation. So this is where this is where a lot of church people, a lot of church singers, mm-hmm. and performers, players. There's people. There's a guest pastor or guest visitor that wants to sing some <laughs> song, and you have to you follow along. Yep. And follow the, that's where the fun is. Yeah, that's, that's actually true. where the fun is when it's when it's off the grid, is like pfft, easy. Improv. And I tell this to my mentees too. I says, well, "See, when you're telling the truth, you don't have to write it down." People ask me all the time, "Do you write your script? Do you write your 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 um, speeches?" And I might have three points or whatever, but yeah. you see, when you tell the truth, you never have to write it down. You just—it's the truth. That's very, answer the very questions. True. Yeah, you know, tell yeah. the story. Yeah, because it's already edit. etched in your memory. So it's there's in nothing there. to it. Yeah, you it's don't in have there. To, All of it. That's you're dropping nothing but gems today. You really actually got Thank me going. You. Mm, a, you many, know, many jewel. times. I am a jewel. You, know? <laughs> you are. I yes, am jewelly. <laughs> this girl's good. You're smooth. Okay. Um I wanted to talk about you you do so much as far as um the producing, the writing, the singing. I'm sure you've composed and probably played an instrument or two. When it comes to like sitting down to write an album or to even just write a song, 
What part do you start with? Do you go melody? Are you on the computer? Are you playing with an instrument? Is it in your head? Like, how do you kind of go about writing, I guess, or making a song? Yeah, good question. My least favorite part of the process is songwriting. Least okay. favorite part. Least, Why is that? Least, huh. least. Well, I'm, I really... Because I hate it too, and I'm, I'm just yeah. Like nowadays, it's like, oh, is there a top line and all these stupid, like all these stupid <laughs> yeah. phrases. Back in the day, you just turn on, you just write the song, you just sing what comes out, you know. And mm. I still use that same process. Um, so typically, it's melodies, but depending on who yeah. I'm writing with, I've been writing with um, Kareem. I keep calling him Kareem Blame Blake, but it's not Kareem Blake. It's Kareem. James, I think. I just call him Kremi because he won. He got nominated for an Emmy. His name's Kareem, okay. so I call him oh. Kremi. So, <laughs> so anyway, Kremi. Um, we talk about life. Mm. Talk about what's going on in his life and, and my life. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then uh, our producer, which is Young Pete, he produced the last two albums. Um, he'll, you know, turn on some. He'll either start something from scratch or he'll play something, and yeah. then. Kareem goes in the booth, gobble, gobble, freestyle. I go in the booth, gobble, gobble, freestyle. Yeah. And then come out and then we pick words from it and say, what does it sound like? And then we stitch it together. That's it. Done. Wow. Gobble, gobble. gobble, gobble. Gobble, gobble, freestyle. A lot of gobble, gobble. And then, yeah, but yeah. However, like when I, write, when I wrote Until I Stay, for example, on Revival, I wrote that with um, Ian Thornley from Big Wreck. And right. so... He took out his guitar and he was going through something with his ex-wife at the time. Mm-hmm. And so we ate, he bought, we ordered some Chinese food. I went to his house. We we're talking real story, real yeah. life stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, I just, she just keeps me coming back until I stay. She just keeps me coming back. Like that was actually a conversation. Wow. wow. And so he started playing. Boom, ba-da-boom, boom, ba-da-boom, and that was it. Just went, it just went. My eyes are open in bed. There's something I, had, I never said. There's so much, like we just told the story. Yeah, mm. and that's a true story beginning to end. Wow! Right, so yeah, I said yeah. to him, "Yeah, I kind of want it to be like a Stevie Wonder vibe." So he wrote it that way, wrote the music that way, and then we handed it over to Keith Harris from Black Eyed Peas, and he made it more Motown. We I flew to LA, and we brought in the horns, brought in the strings, right. brought in all that stuff. Yeah. Wow. So when when do you feel in that process? When do you feel like okay, I think we're good with that one. Let's move on to the next one. As far as the, good with that song or good with Or what? any song, like when you're done writing and producing, you've collabed, you've, you've sent it to someone. What, is there ever a time where you go, okay, I think this is finally good. We can leave that song alone and go on to another song. Ever, when it's done. Yeah. The, it's it's done. We don't leave half songs. We don't do half songs, half one verse here, chorus. Oh, let's go back to it. We don't okay. go back to it. Never go back. Mm. Okay. We never go back. If we, if we don't finish it, it's not it. You just, you okay. just feel it. You just and know. you just walk yeah. away and okay, that's. You good. say yeah. this is too, if it doesn't give you chills, it's not in the will. Mm. Oh, wow, another one. I, I can't keep another one. I, I need another bag. Can I get yeah, another yeah. bag, please? <laughs> it's full of nuggets right here. Uh, Julie, I got to tell you something. I have a little secret yeah. here. I mean, it's kind of a secret. It's it's interesting that we get to talk to people like yourself because as we're having these conversations, we're learning so much. Occasionally, we might selfishly be asking the same questions over and over to learn. <laughs> so Dricky is a, yeah. a budding songwriter <laughs> yeah. and I have to call him out on that because I'm so proud that he's, in, he's about to take on this journey. But so your words to him, <laughs> the gobble gobble awesome. and all that are together. definitely going to help him. There you go. 
That's oh you God. and Ali. Don't you. make me cry on. Don't make me cry on this podcast. <laughs> you know what, Ricky? Please do cry. We'll take a moment to. <laughs> Not yet. Maybe after our fiftieth. Make a soundbite out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But where, you where you gone, Ricky? Where you gone? He's gone no to, cry. to cry. Oh, man. Oh, stop it. Stop That's it, okay. Well, 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 no, no. Wait, you guys can't see me? No. We can't see, but we can hear uh, What timing, though? We Coincidental, right? Eh? That is perfect video. timing. That's so Just weird. Just the coincidence. Internet quality. That's timing, eh? That's the will of the Lord, man. That's it. Ricky, get your tears out. I have some more questions for you, Julian. Yeah, let me wipe my face. We're talking about writing your own music but what's the process like writing for others other people because I know you've written for a lot of people Destiny's Child and a whole bag of names so how does that work and how's that different Uh, that's interesting Uh, so every time this my publisher (laughs) my publisher gets annoyed with me because they'll send oh yeah we need a song for this person that person and I like practically never send them songs for this person or that person oh really so yeah so when I'm that process is typically me writing it for myself like uh, you know there was a time I do awesome impersonations and so I had written a song for Gwen Stefani and it made this round and that round and that round and then after they she actually changed directions Um, so it it was more like a more like their um, their rock steady record, you know, the no Mm. doubt type vibe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then she changed directions. So whatever it happens. Mm. But I um, I just write the song. Like the song, as far as I know for Destiny's Child, I wrote it on my guitar. You know, I could play well enough to write for myself. Yeah. Um, now I have long nails and I want long nails, so I decided I'm not playing guitar anymore. Or go to the guitar. So all the thing. Hmm? Just piano. Nah, nah, I can't go with the piano. I'm traumatized by the piano. My mom put me in piano lessons when I was a kid, and the oh, piano man. teacher used to slap my fingers with a stick. Oh, we've heard that story too many Yeah, yeah, like actually, like hit my fingers. And oh, I so you had like a proper Russian teacher? Look, it was not a joke, and actually, it was a big trauma. I wish, I wish, you know, I wish I stayed, but at the end of the day, that was really abusive. So anyway, mom no went custom, wanted to fight them, wanted to chop them up with a machete and oh. all that, and then we decided it's not going to happen. Not gonna so work out. anyway, I digress. So, um, yeah. so yeah, I, I I write for myself. What I know, I wrote it. I was going through a situation at the time, and I was working with the Soul Diggers Camp, who was working with Missy, hmm. and um, I sent them the verse, chorus, verse, the, the pretty much the whole song except for the bridge, okay. and. And um, and they just happened to be in the studio with Beyonce at the time. So mm. what I sent it to Bless, he played it out loud on their break. And then Beyonce mm-hmm. walked in and said, "Who? What song is that?" And he told them who. And wow. and then um, and then she just finished. She finished the bridge, and that's how. Oh wow! That's how that happened. It's just yeah. opportunity, the right time. And still on your writing, yeah. I also um, I came across information that you wrote nine songs in nine days. Is this true? Yeah. And why and how did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, um, and I was actually really sick that week. Really, really sick. So deadlines, it was a time and the music business was so different then. I actually missed that era where mm. it wasn't so full. There wasn't yeah. like, artists were less of like cattle than now. Now artists are kind of like cattle. It's just, okay, that one didn't yeah. work, go to the next one. That one didn't work, go to the next one. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a lot of development and there was a lot of belief. And so... At that time, um, they just they they gave me like a serious deadline uh, to get just to get this record done, and yeah. so so uh, Keith had gotten to gotten into a jet skiing accident um, oh, with the Black Eyed Peas, their drummer and Will's co-writer and all that, and so producer. So he got to a jet skiing accident in Cuba. He was back in L.A. 
and he needed support to get better, to get back right. on the road. Yeah. So, uh, like, he, he had to learn how to drum. With, uh, it was a whole other trauma, drama thing. Yeah. But he plays so many instruments and wanted to write. And so when, when he was down for the count and there was a window, we just said, let's do, let's do this album now. Let's just right. do it. Mm. And so I flew out there and basically it was this night, day, and nurse (laughs) (laughs) and the the ice machine and all type of things it was just it was really intense uh, because his career was on the line either would have they potentially would have just moved to another drummer as much as he's valuable if he's hurt just like being an athlete right so um, yeah so he was a really good friend and i said you know what okay i'm gonna i'll be here i'll help nurse you back to health and when you were able to sit up he was finally able to sit up he's played he just we just got it done it was yeah. nine songs in nine days. That's wow. the story. Speaking of yep. writing Would you ever do songs. that again? Oh, yeah. Would I do it again? Yeah. Hell yeah. It was fun. I mean, <laughs> in, with this next record that's coming out, well, whenever it's coming out, it's done. I'm mastering it now. It's called Three Rocks and a Slingshot. Oh, dope. Um, <laughs> it was the same thing. I, was, did, I did like four songs in four days, like a song a day. Uh, you know what I mean? Okay. Just, yeah, just yeah. knock it out. It's impressive. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. When I'm clutch. It, I work better it. that way. If I have too much, if I have too much time, I'll start overthinking, uh, start swapping mm, lyrics, start questioning yeah. myself. Right, right. Gotcha. So just yeah. go for it. That yeah. makes sense. So you were talking about writing songs that don't make the cut, which happens all the time for a variety of mm-hmm. reasons. Um, and personally, to me, that's easier to understand. What what I want to understand as a musician when you're writing a song, you don't yet know. In most cases, is this going to be a hit or is this a B side? Um, and at some point, sometimes you have to leave the song, right? You have to abandon and go, this is not going anywhere and throw it away. How often, or at least that's what some artists tend to do, right? Like I've heard that Coldplay writes 80 songs per album and throws most of them away. Um, mm-hmm. Do you do that? Is What is it like emotionally? Or are you the kind of person that just, if you start a song, it's you think it's good enough and you're going to finish it no matter what? Yeah, there's been a couple that... If you like, we've gotten stuck for too long on like a verse or too long on a chorus. We're just like, we're wasting time. Let's grill up yeah. something else. Yeah, okay. we don't go back to it. So that's kind of an indication that it's not flowing. It's not in the. It's not in the will. You know what? I want to add to that. How do you feel about when artists' unreleased music then gets gets released uh, posthumously? For example, a song that they didn't approve uh. of. <clears throat> it's a great question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a toughie because most times the unreleased we didn't like, we didn't love. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's what yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. but then I think about their, you know, if they have children or parents, you know, people yep. that need support. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes mm. we're obviously we're our biggest critics, and yes. there could be music that we just thought was shit that they, they actually was really really yeah, good. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. the dead ain't there. gonna know. The dead don't know. It's all good. Mm. Put that thing <laughs> out, good. especially if it's especially if there's children and older parents or yeah, yeah. something that's needed. Put that thing out. Benefactors for sure. So you think that's that's super that that's a good way the, the body of work or the canon of their artists, the ability to support their family supersedes that. I think so, and not to oh, mention so for the garbage. Yeah, like if sense. the song's really, really, really bad, really bad, we'll delete it. Like no one's gonna have it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I can no think one. of a few like that. Not no label, nobody. It doesn't even make it to the label. You won't even send it to the label. You will mm. nobody. Not even management. Like I have songs that just straight delete. Uh, That's nobody. It. Wow. Me and my producer. Will you agree? It's gone. It's gone. That's it. Wow. Yeah. 
In uh, I'm just always curious if someone that's done so much and you have such a great career and you've you've been able to achieve so much, who do you look at right now in the industry and go, wow, wow, she's uh, she's doing big things? Because I mean, you're doing big things for someone like me. I'm like, wow, I aspire to be Julie. But who is it that you were like, I, I I wish I could, or I'm impressed with what that person's doing? Um. I really admire Jesse Reyes. Okay. A lot. Yeah. Um, especially because I've I've known her for a while and we've talked we've spoken about things that's like pre the success that's happening. I think that she's still okay. so far continuing to be her true authentic self. Right. Uh, which was really impressive. Um, especially you know, she's she's older than she seems, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like she's a grown woman, she's like twenty nine or something, twenty eight, twenty nine. So yeah, yeah. you know, but um, she's somebody that I would say I definitely admire. Um, Savannah Ray as well. Oh, it's yeah, another one awesome. that I admire her maturation. I'm watching her grow and mature. And, yeah. You know, as a writer, woman, you know what I mean? It's another person yeah. from the Remix program who I mentored back Beautiful. in the That's day. Right, yeah. um, and so, and then I also look at people like, you know, Cardi, who's, mm. you know, really stepped into becoming an executive Yes, and taking that taking that chance, um, really doing what's best for him and for his family, right? You know, and on a global scale, um, you know, I well, every, all of them who I mentioned are global. But when I look at my peers internationally, I would say I really do admire Beyonce. Okay. I admire that uh, she works hard. Yeah, mm-hmm. I admire that she doesn't speak much. Right, and mm. um, that her work really speaks for itself. Yeah, and sure, um, yeah. all the moves are intentional, you know. Um, so I'd say, as far I'd say, those after if I'm going off of impulse, which I've learned, that's what I learned in theater. Yeah, is to go off of impulse. That's that's what you know. First thought, right thought. Those are those are what comes up. <laughs> yeah, got you. Um, about the studio process, I I would imagine that for a singer that's used to handheld mics, do you find that it's a bit of a change of gears to have to stand straight and sing into a, a very sensitive microphone? Or does that not bother you what kind of microphone it is or whether you're holding it or moving or not? Yeah, that's a good question. So I come from the school of the mic stand. For yeah. those who see me perform, I tend to stay. That's kind of like... Uh, that's my home base. Uh, and so I rarely, I, I take it off sometimes, but I'd say it's probably a 50-50 split as far as on stage. I love extending my arms. Mm, like it's a yeah. thing for me. So yeah, be right. able to sing from the bottom of my feet up through my face, out to my limbs. Wow. Yeah. So in the studio, it's the same thing. Like having that focal point, um, it's great. I love it. You know, the the one process that engineers kind of, are annoyed by me with, and I've been doing it since I was 11 years old, mm-hmm. is when I, uh, when I double, I, I throw them all on one side. So I sing my first vocal upright, uh-huh. and then I throw that one all to one side. So when I sing the other one to match it, I'm, doing, I'm the stereo. So my new vocal becomes the double. So then I can aim, uh-huh. I'm able to do it all at once oh. and know that I'm perfectly doubled. That's... And then they just throw them all back into the mix. And it's like I'm giving away my secret, but um, I do doubles. I do doubles on one one take doubles. Like my doubles are perfect. Double, triple, four times, five times, six times doesn't matter. Holy smokes! Well, you can. So I say mute and double, mute and double. I sing it, mute and double. Sing it again, throw it to the right. So all of my new ones are in my right ear, Mm 
wow. all my previously recorded ones are in my left ear. So I might have three right here, and then my new one I'm hearing myself. So you don't get that wobbly thing because you're like, ah, yeah. am I matching? Am I matching? Am I matching? Yeah. Am I matching? Yeah. Ah. Wow. Well, there's something in that. I mean, you could give yeah, away that secret. Usually but... uh, headphone mixes are just mono. Because from the engineer's mm -hmm. perspective, it's like mixing a mm -hmm. whole other mix for the performer. And yeah, you're throwing at them. I want two channels instead of one. And I want you to put certain things left and right. And that must make some of them feel a bit confused. Well, I want all the previous vocals in the left. So they just have to, when I'm done recording it, don't leave it in the middle. Throw it to my left side. And then when I do the new one, it's on my right side. That's so I do it in stereo. Because yeah. there is yeah. research about how some people, like when you hold your phone, all of you uh, in this conversation, which, hand, which ear do you put the phone to? My right, the right, right. Probably so there right are, are theories that are still being yeah. tested about how we hear uh, that because <laughs> our ears are left and right brain that we hear yeah. intelligibility of a voice of the voice in one ear better and then pitch in the other ear better. Mm. So it's That's interesting that you have that specific that preference. Maybe it. that is wow. connected to something there where you can hear the Could diction be. better on one side, then you can hear the pitch better on the other side, and you throw them Could as be. you need Could them be. to be. Fascinating. Mm. It's it's a thing. It's fast. When I say it's fast, it's yeah. the best. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Lots of lots of gems you've dropped for us today, Julie. <laughs> Thanks so much so for that. Many. I almost feel greedy asking you this, but I think it's uh, a part of what we do. Could you just give some words of advice, maybe specifically to female artists coming up behind you? Well, advice. Knowledge. Hmm. What would I tell my younger self right now? I'd say uh, focus on who you are versus, mm -hmm. versus what you're doing. The who is going to matter more later. So you might as well focus on that now. True. Mm. Um, really set, your, set a clear intention on why, why you want to be in this business, why you're singing the words or rapping or whatever the words, writing the words that you're writing. Why? Why? Ask yourself all the time, what's the point? So what's the point? What's the point? And ask yourself, what on earth am I here for? Every all the time, I always go back to that question to myself. So what what on earth am I actually here for? And wait for the download. You know, I'm I am you know of the Christian faith. However, I don't subscribe to religion. It's really about relationship, right. and I think that it's more and more, especially as like music being that one universal language, yeah. it's important for us to realize that we have, um, that the, our word is our wand. We have power, you know, yes. we have re power in our words. And whether, no matter what you're doing with those words, you know, my mentor said to me, you know, Julie, your word is your wand. Mm. Careful how you're waving it around. Wow. Mm. And so we're waving words around in social media. We're waving words around in interviews. We're waving yep. words around, you know, with our peers, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Know that those, that those, all of those words have power. Yes. And oftentimes the words we're waving around are negative towards ourselves. Yeah, so true. So yeah. women, especially as I'm speaking to the women, when was the last time you were kind to yourself? When was the last mm -hmm. time you looked in the mirror and saw something and said that you actually love it? When was the last time you decided to, to care for yourself? Self-care is not selfish. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, all these things yeah. way before becoming, becoming an artist. Because let me tell you something, I've been in this business for so long. Yeah. But now I realize that I'm in the business, I'm not of it. And that's Whoa. very different. Mm -hmm. You could be in the business and not of the business. Wow. 
And that's something that I'm just going to leave that for whoever's huge, listening yeah. to unpack. Are you Can in it be, or are you of it? That should be the, the cover of this podcast and we'll make sure it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's huge. And I, that was definitely not just for the ladies. I took that and that was for every yeah, single for one of us. For so, sure. yeah. I have to actually go and find a storage unit now for all the gems to store in there because <laughs> there was just too much. Make sure yeah, it's air conditioned. Yeah, They're hot facts. <laughs> That was, that was amazing. Thank you so much. Really, for your really time, appreciate Julie. this. We could keep you for another hour, but uh, <laughs> absolutely, yeah, we know you're so busy much. Lady. It happens all the time. I love to speak. I, I, this is. I just. I love this. It's like so many of us, especially people of color. I was speaking to my girlfriend Gemini. She's on a radio host. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, we were both speaking about. Man, I wish more of us would share our experiences, share the gems, absolutely. share yeah. the contacts, yes, share sure the is. opportunities, share where the landmines are. Like, yo, jump over that one. No, no, no. Watch right. out, watch out. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because yo, so many of us walking around with you know metaphorically with like lost limbs yeah. because you just didn't take heed or someone didn't share. Yeah. No, that's that that ain't that ain't the, that ain't the business. You know, True. like those the anniversary of George Floyd's death, God rest his soul. Yeah. Yes. And I had probably I don't know, fifteen requests for me to speak on news and all these different places. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I said no to every last one of them. Hmm. Because there's the good thing to do and there's the right thing to do. Right, right. Yeah. And good and right is two different things. Absolutely. People might think this is the right thing to do, but is it good for my soul? Wow, powerful. Yeah. If it's going to pull me back into trauma that I'm still climbing out of. Exactly. Yeah, then, exactly. I'd, then that's not good for me. It's, it's no. right for your TV station, for your right. numbers. For your yeah. But yeah. it's not good for my soul. Wow. That's beautiful. That's a really so beautiful way pass. of saying it. Wow. Mm. Impressive. Wow. Very, very impressive. I've been blown away from the moment we started talking. I, I yeah I yeah, I can't yeah. say enough good things. Thank it's you so cried. much. There's Julie. been really tears really during this. Has been awesome. You, there was no um, real crying. <laughs> there, was, there was tears. There was I felt some in my heart. Screen too. went off, and then your face <laughs> yeah. is a lot shinier. After. <laughs> His face is shinier. Just allergic away. to happiness. Shut up. Oh man, it's a good thing. Yeah, Julie. I um, want to say thank you all, and to see men doing this, it's wonderful. Um, you know, I'm grateful. So so grateful. We are the more, more amplify. You guys are amplifying our voices, and ah. this is it's great. And oh, in man, any way I can spread the word, I absolutely oh, will. No, I'm about to cry. And um, yeah, just be yeah. where your feet are. Keep being present. Mm. Feel the ground under your feet every day. Yeah, every yeah. day. Check in with yourself to make sure that you feel the ground under your feet every day, every at least day. once. Thank you. I, I can't crying. say thank you so <laughs> much. Yeah. Tears I can't are say coming. Thank you enough. Can you We're shout out your socials, that. Julie? Let people know yes. where to find you online. Yeah, absolutely. So you could find me on Instagram. It's Miss Julie Black, M I S S J U L L Y. It's like jelly with a U, people. <laughs> it's like bully with a J if you're not in the bully, good club. Bully, okay. Miss <laughs> Julie Black on Instagram, Julie Black on Twitter, Julie Black on Facebook, JulieBlack.com, all the things Julie. Yeah. Please don't spell J-U-L-I-E because I'm not that Julie. I don't know who that is. <laughs> oh. Okay. The government is J-U-L-L-Y. Yeah. That's on the birthday. Yeah. All right. Love it. You're amazing. So Thank much. you so much. It's been great. What a blessing. It's my pleasure. Take care, guys. Wonderful. See you later. Take care. Okay, bye. Every episode of the DNA Airwaves is recorded and produced at the MPL. The MPL is a collection of film, music, and audio post-production suites located in the GTA. Please visit the-mpl, that's maple without the vowels, dot com to learn how they can help you with your next film or audio production.
As a podcaster, you know that great content is only half the battle. The other half is finding the right hosting platform to reach your audience. That's where Captivate comes in. With unlimited podcasts, advanced analytics, and personalized support, Captivate has everything you need to grow your audience and monetize your show. Join the thousands of successful podcasters just like us who trust Captivate for their hosting needs. Visit dnaairwaves.com slash Captivate today to start your free trial.